The Bible says death is certain. The book of Hebrews says it is appointed for man once to die. The book of Ecclesiastes says there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. Proverbs chapter 30 says, and the grave is never satisfied. It never says enough. Death is certain. All people will die. Bible says death is the great equalizer. Proverbs chapter 22 says rich and poor have this in common. They both die. Proverbs chapter 49 says the wise person and the foolish person alike perish. They both die. The Bible says death is the result of sin. With sin comes death. In the book of Genesis recorded, it says, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree that was forbidden by God, that they would die. It says, for the day you eat from it, you will surely die. In the book of Romans in the New Testament, it says, for the wages of sin is death. The Bible says in the book of Job that death is the king of terrors, that death is the king of terrors. Death has the greatest place of all terrors, striking fear in the hearts of man. Well, here's the question tonight. What are believers to do about death? We hear that death is certain. We hear that death is sure. Well, the question is, what are believers to do about death? I'm not sure how many funerals I've preached in 15 years. Uh, it is a bunch of them. There have been kids. There have been older people. There have been middle-aged people. Uh, there were sick people that their death was expected. There were accidents uh, that the people were caught off guard. There have been mothers. There have been fathers. Uh, there have been husbands that left behind a wife. There have been wives that left behind a husband. There have been well-known people, popular people, and there have been services that nobody came to. There have been people that I loved, and there's also people that I did not even know. At the end of the service, the tradition is that I step down off the platform and I stand at the head of the casket, and as the people pass by, one by one, all of these services, all of these years, I look at their faces. And here's what I've noticed. The final pass by does not matter the person, doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter the situation. The final pass by is always sad. Death is certain. What are believers to do about death? Well, I want to tell you tonight, here is the good news, and I want you to hear me and be very sure of this tonight. The good news is this. Our God so loves us that our Savior Jesus doesn't just make a remedy for death. He is the remedy for death. Praise the Lord. That is our good news tonight. Tonight our message is entitled, I Am Life. I Am Life. Our verses tonight are found in John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. John Chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. I am life. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. John chapter 11, beginning in the 17th verse, says this. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. 
Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight, and we're, we're thankful for such magnificent truth. We're thankful for such tremendous good news tonight that you do not just make a remedy for death, and you do, but that you, Jesus, are the remedy for death. Lord, I pray that we would hear good news tonight. I pray that we would get a hold of good news tonight. I pray that we'll be encouraged, blessed in the hearing of good news. I pray, Lord, that those of us that have received it would leave here agents of that good news. And I pray for some that do not know you, that have not heard the good news of a risen Savior. I pray that in this very night, that tonight they would be saved. Lord, we come and we're thankful for your grace shown to us. We're thankful for your kindness shown to us. We pray now that this will be a supernatural movement of God. Nothing less. Lord, forgive us of any sin that would hinder it. Forgive us for any pride that would, that would stop it. Lord, I pray that this would be a supernatural movement of God tonight. We love you. We praise you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, tonight we pick up in our verses in John chapter 11. So far in chapter 11, Lazarus, the dear friend of Jesus has become sick, and he has died. Mary and Martha, his sisters, also beloved friends of Jesus, have sent word to him of his illness. After receiving that news, Jesus waits two days before he makes the one-day trip. Remember tonight, they are going to Bethany. It is a town, the Bible says, about two miles from Jerusalem. Remember, this town, Bethany, in this area is a hostile territory. Uh, the Jewish leaders just two miles away in Jerusalem are actually seeking to kill Jesus. And so they travel into hostile territory to, a, to an area very close to those that would kill Jesus. The Bible tells us the disciples have made the trip with Jesus, fully expecting trouble and maybe even death. Verse 17, let's start our verses. So when Jesus came, he found that he had been in the tomb four days, had already been in the tomb four days. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. When Jesus and the disciples arrived, the Bible says that Lazarus has already been in the tomb four days. Now the custom was that they would bury the body on the day of death. Well, Jesus received the message on one day, 
Bible says that he waits two more days before he begins traveling, and then he traveled one day. And so most likely, Lazarus was already dead by the time that Jesus heard that he was even sick. And so they send the message, and most likely, by the time Jesus hears that he's even sick, Lazarus is already dead. Now, there is something important here to see. According to the Jewish custom, and really it's the Jewish superstition, when a person died, they believed that the spirit of the person stayed close by the body for three days, hoping to re-enter the body. And that was their superstition. Uh, after the death of the person, they are buried, in the, and they believe that the, the spirit of the person would stay close to the body for three days, hoping to re-enter. On the third day, seeing the, the, decom- the, the decay of the body, uh, the spirit would leave and go to Shoal, the place of death. And so see here, for Mary and for Martha, and for all of these people here on the fourth day, the finality of death has now taken hold. The hopelessness of death has now fully set in. The truth is this, Lazarus is dead. He is surely dead. And the weight of the loss is now fully resting upon them. Lazarus is gone. I've noticed something you may have as well. The reality of death usually takes a while to set in. And I don't know why that is, but it seems like that's the truth. The reality of death usually takes a while to set in. While we are busy planning the services and getting things in order and meeting with people, it takes a while for the reality of death to set in. I remember when my dad died, there is all the stuff that goes along with that. There are people that come by and there's a service and arrangements to make. And I remember going through those days and about a week later after that event, after the services, everybody has gone home. Everybody's gone back to their normal routines and, 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 and we've moved past that point. And one afternoon I was at my desk in my office and I needed something for the farm. I think it was a paper or something. I needed something for the farm, and I couldn't remember where it was at. So I got my phone, and I dialed his number, and I actually sat there with the phone ringing, and it hit me. He's not going to answer. He's not going to answer. I remember shutting the phone and setting it down. He is Gone. Well, that's what's happened on this fourth day. For them, the finality of death has set in. The weight of death has set in. The hopelessness of death has set in. And that is what is happening on this fourth day. Verse 18. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Verse 19. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Evidently, this was a beloved family. That's what we're seeing here. Evidently, this was a prominent family. They were well-known in Jerusalem. And it says, many of the Jews. Now, the word for many here, it translates a good number, a considerable number of the Jews are coming to their house to console them. 
Now the tradition, the Jewish tradition was that the family during this time would sit at the house and the people would come to the house and sit with them. They would come and they would go and they would trade out. But they would, the, the grieving party would sit at the house and others would come and sit for a while and go on and, and somebody else would come and sit for a while. And that would go on for seven days. That was their custom. It was a somber event. It was a quiet event. They might talk. They might tell stories of the deceased and they would cry. Their friends would come and they would grieve with them. Verse 19, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Verse 20, Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Now, if you think about it here in verse 20, this is the pattern of their personalities. Uh, the norm was to sit and to receive the people. That's what Mary does. That's the right thing to do. That's the traditional thing to do. And so she sits at the house and receives the people. But, but Martha is different. She hears that Jesus is near and she, she can't stay put. She doesn't want to stay seated in the house. And so she gets up and she goes to meet Jesus. Verse 21. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Now understand, verse 21 is not a condemnation. She is not scolding Jesus. She knows that Lazarus died before the news even reached Jesus. She is just saying, she is lamenting, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If, you'd have just, if you could have been here, I know you didn't get the news, but if, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. He, he'd be alive right now. We have seen death comes with hopelessness. In this verse, in verse 21, we now see death is always accompanied by regret. Do you know that? That's still true. Death is always accompanied by regret. If we'd have just done this, if we'd have just done this, if I'd have just said this, I, oh, if I had another chance, I, I wish I could take it back. I wish I could have said that. Or, oh, I wish I'd never done that. I'd take it back in a minute. I, I wish I'd never done that. And there's regret that boils in. Or, oh, I wish I'd known the years were going to go by this fast. Oh, I wish I know time went so fast and, I, and I, I would have paid attention this time. Oh, I wish we could go back to that event, to that Christmas. Oh, I wish we could go back and we could just do it all again. Maybe we'd have done things differently. Death is always accompanied by regret. Well, in her sadness and in her regret, she says, Jesus, I wish you'd have been here. He'd have still been alive I wish you'd have been here. Verse 22. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now, this is an interesting verse. Listen very carefully. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. We need to understand verse 22. In verse 22, she is not saying that even now you can bring him back. Now, we're going to see in the conversation that folds out, she doesn't believe that. And so that's not what she's saying. She is not saying, even now, you can bring him back. She's not asking him to bring him back. Verse 22 
is part of what she is saying in verse 21. She says, even right now, even with him dead, I'm convinced that God gives you whatever you desire in prayer. I know that God gives you what you want in prayer. It is an acknowledgement of Jesus' power. Well, when you put it all together, she says, if you had have been here, I know even still that God would have granted what you asked. He would have been alive. It is the regret of knowing that there was an answer, but it's too late for the answer. And I want you to think about that. No sadder thing than to have an answer and it'd be too late for that answer. Do you see the urgency tied to our gospel? This is the regret of saying, you had the answer, Jesus. Oh, but you weren't here. It's the regret of being too late. The worst kind of pain. Oh, if only, if only. Verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Verse 24. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Uh, this verse, verse 24, shows that Martha and Mary and, and Lazarus held to the teaching of the Pharisees. At the resurrection, there will be a resurrection on the last day. Now, the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe that there would be coming a resurrection. They didn't believe that there's life after death. But the Pharisees did. The Pharisees were correct in their understanding of Scripture on this point. And so she says, I know he will rise again on the last day. I believe he will rise again on the last day. The problem was she was hurting on this day. Okay, here they come. Some of the greatest verses in Scripture. Now, that's hard to say. They're all awesome. But I, I want to tell you tonight, some of the greatest promises, some of the greatest verses in Scripture. Listen to verse 25 and 26. I'm going to read them together. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? We now come to the fifth I am statement in the gospel of John. There's two more coming. This is the fifth I am statement. Now remember, I am is the verb I be being. It is how God reveals himself in the Old Testament, and it is what God names himself in Hebrew in the Old Testament. I be being. Well, Jesus, by using it, is claiming that he is the eternal, all-powerful, self-existent creator God. And when he uses that, these five times now, that is what Jesus is claiming. Jesus says here, listen to me, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now I want you to watch this tonight. It is not one statement and it's not one claim. Now there are some, and I'll tell you, there's a bunch of folks that think 
This is a double statement of the same thing. They're saying this is just saying the same thing. And for emphasis, he says it in two different ways. It's the same thing. And for emphasis, he says it twice. It is not. Listen to me tonight. It is two separate statements with two separate results. Now, buckle your seatbelt. It's going to be awesome. It is two separate statements with two separate results. Jesus says he is the resurrection, one statement, one thing, and he is the life. That is another statement. That is a different thing. He is the resurrection. That is one thing. And he is the life. That is another thing. Now get this. Stay with me. A resurrection is to die. It is to be dead, physically dead, and to live again. That's the only definition of a resurrection. It is to be alive. It is to die, be dead, and it is to be alive again. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. That is the truth of Scripture. He was alive, he was dead, and he yet lives again. Jesus was resurrected. Well, Jesus says first, I am the resurrection. It means if you die, you will physically live again. Notice here it says, and he who believes in me will live even if he dies. Listen, that is a physical resurrection. That is our promise in Christ. Listen to me tonight. If you physically live and you physically die, you will physically live again. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. That's one statement with one result. But he also says, and I am the life. I am the life. Now, this is talking about spiritual life. When we believe, we are made spiritually alive in Christ. When we believe in Jesus, when we trust in Jesus, we pass from a spiritual death because of our sin to spiritual life in Jesus. This is a second statement, and it is a second thing, and it carries with it a second result. Notice it says here, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now, what that means is if you have spiritual life in Jesus, you will never have an end to your spiritual life. If you have life in Jesus, you will never spiritually die. Those are two statements with two results. Let me try and make it plain to you tonight. When a believer dies, your physical body dies. The perishable perishes. When you die, your, your body physically dies. The perishable, that which will perish, perishes. Your body is buried, it's cremated, whatever it's lost at sea, your body perishes. But in the second a believer dies, the spirit never dies. And in the second that a believer closes their eyes in death, they are ushered into the presence of Jesus. Listen to me. When a person dies, closes their eyes in death, 
There is no waiting. There is no purgatory. There is no half step. There is no penance to pay. There is no hoping. There is no scale to tip when a believer dies in the grace and the power of Jesus who is life. They are with Jesus. And there is no more pain and there is no more sickness and there is no more sin and there is no more separation from God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Praise the Lord. He is life. We will never spiritually die. And then there is coming a day with the blast of a trumpet and the voice of an archangel. Check it out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There is coming a day when there's going to be a trumpet sound. There's going to be the shout of an archangel. And those who have died in Christ, the Bible says, will come with Christ. And they will receive in the grace and the power of Jesus, who is the resurrection, a new physical body. And it will not wear out. And it will not run down. And it will not perish ever again. He is the resurrection. He is the life. And on this day, listen to me, outside of Jerusalem, Jesus says what sin brought, physical death, what sin brought, spiritual death, in him is forever, eternally set right. And both are conquered in him. Listen, that is our Savior. He has defeated physical death. He has defeated spiritual death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? That is our Savior. What a Savior. What a Savior. He defeats physical death. He defeats spiritual death. And he says, I am the Savior that does it. What a Savior. Jesus asked, do you believe this? He's not asking, do you believe you'll live again? It's not what he's asking. He says, do you believe he is the resurrection? Do you believe he is the life? That's what he's asking. You see, the key is he who believes. That's the key. Friends, listen to me tonight. Do you believe? Do you believe? Verse 27. And she said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. I like Peter's confession. I think I like this one better. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. I, my favorite part, she says, yes, Lord, I have believed. It is settled for her. It's not up in the air for her. She says, I have believed. You are the Christ, the anointed Savior, the Messiah of God. Then she says, the Son of God. It's not the Son of Man from Daniel. It is the title, the Son of God. I believe you are God himself. Even he who comes into the world, Emmanuel, God with us, that God would save us. I have believed. Oh, Martha, good job. Here's the question. 
So have you believed? Have you believed? Jesus tells them, and John tells us, so we will believe. The key is belief. The question is tonight, have you believed? Let's pray. During Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for this truth. I'm thankful for this promise. What a picture of our Savior. He defeats physical death. You do, Lord. You defeat spiritual death. You give us life. That's why there's such an emphasis on life, Lord. We're thankful. We praise you. We worship you. Then we, then we read tonight, we hear tonight, it's not in our work, not in our reputation, not anything we would muster. We've blown all those things, but it's in your grace by faith. Lord, I'm thankful that I can say I'm saved because of faith. Now, I'm thankful for these around here tonight that can say we're saved because of faith. But I also know the pain of not knowing you, the pain of, of separation, the pain of guilt. And I, I pray for, for some that are hearing tonight that this very night, seeing this picture of my Savior Jesus, that tonight they would believe. Pray that the distractions will be removed, the pride will be removed, the hindrances will be pushed away, and I pray that tonight will be the night that they trust you. And then I tell you tonight, I'm looking forward to a day when this body wears out and I close my eyes and I open them in the presence of the one who loved me enough to come and to save me. Lord, I, I'm looking forward to that. And I look forward to a, a double bonus, a double blessing, that there'll be a day when we'll come with you. We'll receive a resurrected body. And from that day, we will march out, and there'll be no more sickness and no more sorrow and no more death. No more nursing homes, no more doctor's visits, no more pain. No more betrayal, no more sin. Lord, I'm thankful that you've made that provision for us in your cross, in your own blood. Lord, we love you tonight. We praise you tonight. We thank you tonight. We ask in this time of invitation that you'd move, that you'd be glorified tonight. And I trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you that's the good news, and it is good news. But the truth is, outside of that belief, you will die physically. And you will die spiritually. The Bible calls that the second death in the book of Revelation. And upon that instant, there'll be no more chances. And God's grace will be shut off to you. He has unlimited grace and it'll be shut off. My call to you tonight is this, believe. Trust him tonight. He'll forgive you tonight. He'll take the, the weight of the condemnation of your sin. He'll cover it in his own righteous robes tonight. He'll save you tonight. Trust him tonight. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I want to call you again this night to turn to him, trust him, he will save you. If you've trusted him but you've never fallen believers, baptism, I want to encourage you as well. What a, what a great time in this 100 days to say, you know what, I was baptized in that 100 days. Tell your kids and your grandkids, I was baptized in that 100 days. Tell the neighbors, you know what, there was 100 days we saw how much he loved us. I was baptized in those 100 days. If you've never fallen in believer's baptism by immersion after the point that you're saved, what a great time to testify. You come. We'll set a date. It'll be a great day of celebration.
you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it, believe God has led you here, you come as well. Together we'll serve this Savior, upholding his word until he comes again. Maybe on this 50th night, this Saturday night, you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to come pray for the next 50 nights. God takes them and blesses them and multiplies them. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or head for an exit, that you would pray for those that are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, as we stand and sing, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on.